You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by the roundtable crew of Buck Sanders, Jason Staples, Greg Barnes, and Taylor Vipolis. This is part two of the over-under deal that we started last week course sponsored by johnny t-shirt johnny t-shirt.com uh gentlemen this will be the defensive side of the ball we got pretty thick in the weeds uh, much to buck chagrin last week on the offensive podcast so let's do it again defensive wise and buck since you're the man i will start with you we're gonna get right into it i think this is a key for north carolina this season one of the biggest keys for the defense rushing yards allowed per game for carolina will branch out a little differently um, deeper into it but i've got the over under for rushing yards allowed per game set at 150 for this carolina defense under and and i'm going to warn you up front that uh, throughout this podcast, I'm going to be pretty bullish on the defense. I, I think they are really poised to make a significant step forward. So uh, I'm going to be pretty bullish on uh, my predictions on these over and unders. So we are going under right out of the gate. I don't know if I don't know if bullish was the word I would use for you last week on the offensive side. So that's a good start for the defense. Greg, I'll come to you first uh, or second. One A. 150 defensive rushing yards allowed per game. Well, UNC was at 154 last year. Uh, and, and I don't think that defense was really all that good. So uh, I would hope that they would, they would make at least significant strides to be better than they were last year. And so I'm going under. Under. Uh, Taylor, I'll come to you again. I didn't realize it was 154 last year. So I may have set that number a little bit lower. Uh, but Taylor, 150, we'll keep it there. Yeah, I'm going to go under as well. I don't see too many running backs on the schedule that are putting the fear of God into your heart. So, and I also think this, this UNC front seven is going to take a pretty big leap forward with the, the depth that they're getting, the experience with guys like Jeremiah Gemmo. So I'm, I'm like Buck and going to say I'm bullish on this front seven for Carolina. All right, I'll come to Jason. Before I do, I forgot to say rate us, review us, subscribe, all that. You need to do it for these YouTubes. You need to do it for the podcast. Um, if you're not getting this stuff shipped to your door, um, you click the subscribe or follow button and it'll come right to you into your smart device. Jason, I'm going to give you the per game number, the 150, but I'm also going to add in the uh, yards per carry because off air, you said that is the most important part of this. So let's go 150. And yards per carry, start with Jason at 4.1. Yeah, so I'm going to go under uh, for the same reasons as everybody else, uh, but also because I think when you're a team that's playing from ahead, teams are going to run the ball a little bit less on you. And I think North Carolina most of the year is going to be playing from ahead. 
So that's, that's another factor. And I think they will be four yards better. <laughs> I think they will probably be closer, be somewhere in the, in the one thirties, probably allowed per game. The 4.1 number is a tough one because, you know, last year they weren't real good uh, in terms of the per, uh, per carry number. They were better, you know, overall in the, uh, in the per game number than they were the per carry number. That was 4.26 last year. I mean, it only, that's only jumping, you know, 0.16. Uh, so I'm going to give them the benefit there. I think they're going to be probably around 4.0, maybe a little bit better than that uh, yards per, per carry allowed. I just think the, the last year they were really small up front and this year they're going to be, they're going to be playing a lot of beef. And the, the benefit of that beef is that you're going to stop the run a lot better uh, with fewer, with less commitment in terms of guys up front. So, uh, so I think that's going to be probably around four, four yards at, uh, a carry is where I'd pr- project it. Maybe even a little better. So y'all are starting to make me bullish on the defense. I, I'll believe it when I see it, but Greg, I felt like watching teams last year, um, of course, Texas A&M, Notre Dame stick out. They got yards when they needed to. Um, is this the year we we've talked about 2022 and 2023 being really the year for the Carolina defense to come of age, but is this a year they can go under four uh, yards per carry on the defense? Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think Jay finally has the bodies where he can, he can use his scheme to an advantage a little bit more. Um, and they should be able to do that. Uh, you know, I would go under the 4.1. I mean, if you, if you go back and I know, Times have changed, but they haven't changed as much as some people would like to like to suggest. Uh, but Vic Coning's first defense in Chapel Hill, the 2012 team. I mean, they they held opponents 3.6 yards per carry. Um, you know, you go back to the great Butch Davis defense of 09. They allowed 2.8. Uh, That's dudes up yeah. front on that team. <laughs> I think this defense is a long way from being that good. Um, but I think you they're going to take a significant step forward. So I think. I think 4.0 is, is certainly reasonable, and then that will filter down into some of these other stats that we're looking at because that's going to help North Carolina out tremendously on, on first and second down. One other thing, Tommy, is to, thing to think about is that that number also factors in sacks in the way that this is done in, in college. Yep. So if you add another five or six sacks, that automatically is going to drop you a good bit, you know, and you add, you know, even maybe a little bit more than that. And, and that's going to significantly impact the overall uh, yard per carry number and the way the NCAA does it, which is really stupid. Indeed. Now, Vip, I want you to simplify it a little bit. Greg, while I'm talking to Vip, look up 96, 97, 98, which were Max heyday, if you can get back that far, because nobody ran on those defenses, it didn't seem. But 2.8 from Butch's seems quite quite strong vip under 4.1 and i'll even squeeze it down to four Um, i know that's a small number it seems but under four rushing yards per carry for this defense is bateman's are those guys ready for that yeah i'm kind of with you tommy where the games that kind of stick out to me when i'm thinking about the the rushing defense is notre dame and texas a&m where they were giving up texas a&m it was like over six yards per carry but Overall, I would say the defense is going to – they are ready to kind of take that next leap. So I'll say under four yards per carry. I just 
I have a lot of faith in a defense led by a guy like Jeremiah Gemmo. I think every time you hear him talk, it's it's like an extension of the coaching staff on the field. So another year of a guy like Jeremiah Gemmo, another year of a guy like Tamon Fox, and then you're you're starting to mix in these younger guys like Ritzy and Silver and Eugene Asante. So uh, I'm, like I said before, pretty bullish on this front seven. But the depth. Uh, that Taylor mentioned there. I mean, that's the key to this, right? Because they they just wore out against um, A and M specifically. But you know, under four point yard, four point oh yards per carry is. If Carolina does that, we'll discuss over under wins at the very end. But I think that certainly uh, raises the bar there. What do you think? Are they going to get there? And uh, who? Who will make the diff- most difference there in that? Well, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that could be going on uh, with the defense. I've, we've talked, obviously, about the uh, depth that they have uh, when you can rotate in at least six guys and probably closer to nine guys. You can rotate on the three down linemen, and they probably will be playing three down linemen a lot more this year. So, I mean, uh, you, you think about uh, going under four as a, a big deal, um, you know, for Russian defense. Uh, is it really? Uh, you know, there's – North Carolina had uh, a, the fifth best – rushing defense and ACC last year. And that's including Notre Dame. It would have been fourth without them. So the, the schemes the way they scheme it up is already pretty good against the run. Um, and so I, I think with the depth and the experience, which is big, I mean, even with, um, you know, they had everybody back from the orange bowl, but even outside of that, you got 10 starters back, including everybody that played in that front seven, except for, uh, Chas Surratt. So I don't think it's a huge leap. Uh, I'm definitely going under on four one, but it's not going to shock me if they get below four. That's interesting. I, I asked y'all to look up the stats and while we were talking, you did 2.4 or 2.9. Uh, whichever, either way, in 1996, pretty ridiculous. 3.3. They allowed. They, the offense only averaged 2.9. Yikes. Wow. <laughs> yeah, when I when I talked to uh, Dre Bly, I kind of questioned him just because it's, uh, it's not an error of football that I can even remember. But I was like, why did guys just keep throwing on you? Like, how did you have so many interceptions? And he was like, Defense, I mean, offenses didn't have any other choice. Like, they, they had to do something, and they definitely weren't running the ball. So, hearing those numbers kind of puts everything into perspective. I, yeah. I remember watching those guys. I mean, it was like they just ran twice into a brick wall and then threw it at Blah. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah, well, you can, you can just look at the roster and be like, well, that's why. Because you start going down the list and you go, okay, yeah, well, they had Dre Bly and Robert Williams, but they also had Brian Simmons – <laughs> they had all those defensive linemen. I mean, you go down the list, and those guys played in the league, man. Ebenezer Ekubon was a grown man on that defensive front, and they uh, 
<laughs> they really were not a picnic to run against. I remember watching those defenses, and they were fun to watch. 2.9 yards per carry for Carolina in 1996. Greg, brutal. <laughs> that's brutal. What, I'm all, what, did that, what does that highlight back then during Max runs? I'll put you on the spot. Well, I think everybody that watched Carolina back then knew that if they just had a, a competent uh, offensive line, right? If, if he if he could have recruited a little bit better along the offensive line, those teams would have been legit. And it, it, I think you could say it's probably not fair to grade against Florida State, but they were in the same conference. So that's really all you can do, right? Um, but when North Carolina played Florida State in those games in 96 and 97, uh, when you watch North Carolina's offensive line go against that beast of the defensive line, there was really no question about who was going to win the game. Um, and so that's, uh, that's a telltale sign of what needs to happen here. For whatever reason, in North Carolina, the state has always produced very good defensive linemen, just always basketball. has. It's basketball. And, and it hasn't really uh, been known for producing tremendous offensive linemen. Right. Yep. You know, it's, it's same answer. weird that way, but that's just how it is. Same answer for for me is that, that in North Carolina, a lot of a lot of big kids grow up playing basketball, so they end up having the movement skills and that kind of svelte body that you want on the defensive line. But they're not, you know, growing up hitting the the weight room hard and eating a ton, expecting to be an offensive lineman, you know, at the next level, like what you might get in Georgia or Ohio or Texas. You know, those guys are that's that's what they're thinking first from eighth grade. And that that does make a difference. But another thing, just remembering those North Carolina teams from 96, 97, I don't think it was just personnel, though. I mean, it was not just a matter. I mean, yes, obviously, when they played Florida State, those defensive lines eight against that North Carolina offensive line. But North Carolina's defensive line gave Florida State's offensive line a ton of trouble in those games. I mean, you look at Florida State didn't run the ball and move it, move it a ton on them. The biggest differences were it was not just offensive line. And it's just so easy for fans and everybody to go, well, you know, they're giving up sacks. They can't run the ball. It was a combination of two things for me on top of offensive line. One is that they were still running a very ground heavy scheme that was a two back scheme with a, with a tight end that allowed teams to load the box. Now, if you're going to do that and you don't have, you know, a mod like a, a current era Alabama level offensive line, you're going to have a hard time. So, I mean, it's not a matter of having a good offensive line. You better have a great one to be able to do that and be able to move it on teams. And then the second thing is if you're not, if you are going to do that and you don't have a great offensive line to just bully, bully teams, you know, to be Nebraska from the 90s, then you'd better be really good at quarterback and have a couple dudes on the outside at wide receiver and that was really the biggest difference with, uh, with those Florida State teams compared to those North Carolina teams in my opinion it was not so much I mean yes up front Florida State ended up having an advantage but the biggest advantage was that when Florida State's having some trouble against Carolina's defensive line in that era they had Peter Warwick and E.G. Green and you know you just kind of drop back and, and throw it up and that you know, those guys, even against Dre Bly and Robert Williams, are going to get their wins. Who did North Carolina have? I mean, they had Nay Brown. You know, they had, they had a couple good receivers, but they didn't have those guys. L.C. Stevens. Yeah, I mean, yeah. those those are good players, but they were not Peter Warwick. I mean, that's yeah. 
And so, you know, that's that that emphasizes, I mean, if you want to be able to run the ball, and I think this is something that Mac really, I think, learned at Texas as much as anything. If you want to be able to run the ball really well, you need to be able to throw it. And that's something I remember watching Mac go through that transition down at Texas where they became a throw the ball to run it team. You know, basically throw to set up the run and they didn't run for any any fewer yards. They were able to run more successfully. And that's where, you know, you throw a Sam Howell and a um, and a Deami Brown and, you know, maybe one other receiver from this group on those North Carolina teams from the from the 90s and and spread it out a little bit and, you know, go go say three wide with one back. And those teams might have beaten some of those Florida State teams. So I think there's a little bit of growth there in terms of scheme a little bit. They just didn't. They didn't have the quarterbacks that Florida State had. They didn't have the receivers that Florida State had. And so they just, you know, that allowed teams to just load up in the box. That's not this North Carolina team. And Mac has built a different kind of program now. Yeah. And I, I will say, kind of to that point, I mean, if you go back and look at the stats from the 96 offense, I mean, it's wild. Uh, Leon Johnson averaged 3.8 yards per carry. He was a good back. Uh, which is just crazy low. I mean, <laughs> I mean, receiving wise, LC Stevens led the team with 771. Uh, Na Brown had 534, and he was the leading receiver with 52 catches. What wasn't like Hakeem Nix, their first thousand yard receiver? Yeah, and that was you know yeah. years later. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. a decade later. But yeah. pretty well, uh, Leon Johnson was the team leader when you when you remove Keldorf and total offense per game at 86. I think Carolina had at least three guys last year that were above that. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. Wow. So <laughs> we're talking about the defensive side, but it's just amazing to see the difference. So uh, let's keep on the defense here because I think we all agree if Mac builds a similar defense to what he had then with, like you said, Jason, what he's got on offense now, uh, you're certainly cooking. Uh, and you're looking at a legit – I mean, not just conference contender. You're looking at a national contender. If you take that kind of defense and you put it with what they're doing on offense, that's now you're competing with the big dogs. It's, uh, it, it is eerie how Mac is doing the same thing he did back then with uh, an evolved mindset of what's important to win games in this era. He, uh, he learned, uh, you got to give the man so much credit for learning through his career. And then also as a broadcaster, watching, watching as a coach, how many, how many things he's changed in his approach, even since his Texas days, just because of all the time that he spent talking to some of the younger guys and all of that as a broadcaster and learning from guys like Lincoln Riley. And, you know, a lot of old coaches, a lot of older guys don't learn. They've got their system. This is what I do. This is what I believe in. This is how I got here. This is what I, this is my philosophy. And it's really hard to change because, you know, every change requires other changes. And Mac, I, I have so much respect for him for the way that he's changed so many things in the way that he's, he's gone at, at things in each case, following the data, each case, following where the, where, you know, skating to where the puck need, where the puck is going to be. And that, that's, that's a big deal for, especially for an older coach. And that's where a lot of older coaches really wind up having trouble. And he hasn't. He, yeah, he's definitely learned. The old guy can learn new tricks. Let's talk about passing yards allowed. Let's do it 
um, in a couple ways. We'll start with yards per game. Uh, Buck, I'll come to you. Since I started with you, I'll come back to you. Uh, you got them under 150 rushing. Where do you have it if I set the passing mark at 225 over under? Mm, uh, you know, I, again, I, I'm pretty bullish on the defense. So I, I don't see that as a great reach. I think that's attainable. Um, you know, they, their best cornerback last year was on the sidelines for 10 games. Um, and they get him back. And those guys have been playing together for a while now. I can see them holding teams under 225 passing. So mm -hmm. under. Vip, I'll get you in on it. I, I mean, uh, you mentioned talking to Dre, and, and they said, why did they throw on you? They didn't have a choice. So under 225 or over 225 for op opponents this season. I want to preface this by saying that I love the personnel in UNC's secondary room, um, but I'm going to say – over 225 just because that number just to me sounds really low and I feel like teams are going to have to find ways to try to get yards but I do I, I love Tony Grimes as a corner Storm Duck getting him back is huge um, you look at a guy like Kyler McMichael who all of a sudden is you uh, cornerback number three which is a great option I think there are some question marks at the safety position and in terms of their ability to cover downfield so I do like this group for UNC. I'm not saying it's a, a reason to panic or a cause for concern, but I think teams are going to have to try to find ways to get yards and it would be through the air in this way, especially like Jason said, if, if teams are trying to play catch up and they're having to spread the ball out and go downfield late in games. Yeah, Greg, this is one of those ones. If Carolina's up 28 points early, then they're going to sling it. The other team has to. So you know, 225 may be low. It may be relative. Uh, where do you think it lies here? And we can get passer rating allowed in there as well. Completion percentage, all that stuff in there if we want to. But 225, over well, under. Yeah, I'm going over as well. Uh, and I think another key component of this is you have to look at you know, what the, the teams have that North Carolina plays. Um, I mean, you're looking at you know, Derek King. You're looking at. Uh, you Leary, they didn't have to play against Leary last year. And some fans don't think that matters much when you talk about NC State, but he looked really good before he got hurt. Uh, Kenny Pickett's back. He's not a great passer, uh, but he's going to be a veteran guy. Uh, Brennan Armstrong has next year under his belt. Uh, Sam Hartman's back. Uh, you know, what happens with the Milton kid at Florida State? I mean, if, he, if he's anywhere close to what he was a couple years ago, that's a problem. Uh, Sims kid. Um, you know, is, a, is another one who's got a year under his, his belt down in Georgia Tech. So uh, I think there's a lot of guys that, that are going to be experienced um, who are going to be legitimate passing options. When you combine that uh, with what um, Vip said there with regard to, you know, North Carolina's up by, you know, a couple scores, teams are going to have to throw it as opposed to run it. And so I think that's why this is certainly going to be over 225. I do think Leary's an issue, not sold on Derek King. Um, but, of course, Carol, Carolina was in a different zone last year, and, and King showed what he can do. Um, Florida State might be an issue. So, uh, Jason, I'll come to you on it. 225, I I think this is a little low for me. I, so I think I'd it's probably a little low. I'm going to go with the over for the same reasons that Vip said. 
the addendums that, <laughs> that Greg said. And one other thing, it's not like North Carolina, you know, you look at the teams that give that, that last year gave up less than 225. It seems like Army, Northwestern, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, you start going like, well, North Carolina is not going to be running the ball, you know, running the clock to get eight possessions a game kind of situation going here. There's going to be a lot of possessions in some of these games because Carolina is going to score some points. And even, you know, even when Carolina is not sc- running the score up, they're still playing at a high tempo. So, you know, that's, that's going to result, I think, in, in, you know, in addition to everything that has been said so far, that's one other factor. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with over 225. I mean, they were 245 last year. I think they'll be a little better than that. But, um, but, you know, you can give up 230, 245 yards per game in the air and still be dominant, you know, and it just depends on how you're handling things on the other side of the field and whether you're forcing some turnovers along with that and everything else. And I think that's going to be really where the biggest difference is. One guy I didn't mention was Hartman from Wake Forest and I, y'all can pull it up faster than me. He, he seemed like he threw for 450 against Carolina last year. Um, until Carolina flipped the switch in the second half. You know, I don't know. I think that's an over. So just to get on the record, I'm going to go under 150 rushing, push on rushing carry yards per carry. I'm going to go over 225. Let's go passer rating. This is something that I really don't fully understand how they calculate this because they calculate it different on all levels of football. Greg, we set it at 125. Give us the numbers and why you think that's going to be over under. Well, just kind of give you an idea. I mean, the, the uh, NCAA formula uh, pulled it up. It's, it's pretty funny. It's uh, 8.4 times uh, quarterbacks passing yards plus 330 times touchdowns plus 100 times the completions minus 200 times interceptions divided by attempts. Um, so if that makes no sense to you, there's a good reason for that. Uh, kind of an idea here is you know, for a perfect passer rating, um, you're, you're looking at 77.5% completion percentage, no interceptions, basically one touchdown for every eight attempts, and then 12 and a half yards per attempt. So that is a phenomenal outing for the quarterback, and that's why you rarely see a perfect passer rating. Um, but kind of to your point, Tommy, you, what was the number we're looking at here? For- 120, 125. I think I added up what you just said, and I've got like 6,000. <laughs> right. Of course, I made Ds in my Carolina math classes. So, <laughs> um, I, I think North Carolina will, will be better um, just because of their defensive front. And get as, as Buck said, getting Storm Duck back, who I think probably is the best cornerback on this team, at least right now, until Whoa, Tony grows up a little bit. That's an interesting discussion. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the fact that you got him and Tony, I think those are by far the, the two most yep. talented options. But I've, 125 is kind of steep. Um, I'm going to say over, but just barely over. Um, I think that may be a little bit of a reach, but, but I think it's going to be pretty competitive. Were the 96, 97, 98 stats kept the same way, or has that formula evolved over the year, over the years? So can we compare it? They're exactly the same that they were then. Okay. So that's interesting. Buck, bullish Buck, 125 ah. passer rating. Uh, you know, I, uh, even though I am bullish, I, I, I'm going uh, over on this. I mean, they're, 
there's only like 30 teams uh, that did better than uh, 125 uh, last year. There are 53 teams, by the way, to revisit the, this last category we had uh, that did better um, than 225 a game. So, uh, you know, I, I, we're I'm probably dancing on the head of a pin here, but I will go over um, – on the uh, 125 uh, passing efficiency rating. What's Tommy, that, man? What was Tommy, that, that, uh, that 96 team was 83.2. <laughs> Don't yeah. kill them, people. What was hard, before I ask Vip, what was Howell's uh, rating last year? Anybody got it handy? Uh, it was like uh, 170 something, I think. Yeah, hang on a second, I'll tell you. That sounds right. One seventy nine point one. That's pretty impressive. That's uh, pretty good. And I remember when Danny Werfel reset the uh, the record, and it's it was in like the one fifties. I mean, what a different era we're playing in. That's, yeah. yeah, that's that's why I ask: Is it can we compare back then? But VIP one twenty five passer rating. Yeah, I had them going over yards and. I was going to say under for this passer rating, just because I think teams are going to get just a lot of cheap yards. And that's kind of why I was going yard uh, over on the yards. But I think the the quality of these corners are good enough to really give a lot of quarterbacks trouble, especially with the improved front seven. I was all ready to say under, and then Greg uh, threw out that formula and I have to go back and punch some numbers, but <laughs> I, I'm going to stick with uh, my under for now until I uh, go off camera and punch some numbers into the calculator. Yeah. Well, uh, just, just, just for uh, a heads <laughs> up, you could go on uh, stassen.com. You don't have to have the formula. You just punch in, you know, the. Uh, oh, what's the fun in that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, NFL is uh, fundamentally the same. Um, but uh, NFL gives you 4.17 points per yard attempt the nca awards 8.4 but it's you know they're still measuring the same stuff basically except for um they count a uh, uh they don't count the sacks i guess against the uh quarterback quarterback yeah yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I didn't know we were doing math. Let me take a second. Let's uh, talk about Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com mm. right fast. Yes, sir. They got the uh, best gear you can get. Uh, anything you want. And this is refill time for our guests if you need to uh, refill your beverages. But Johnny T-Shirt is, of course, on Franklin Street. And they JohnnyT-Shirt.com, they'll deliver it straight to your home. They support Inside Carolina. They support these podcasts. They support our Inside Carolina premium subscribers with that 10% off. And let me tell you. Kenyon Stadium is going to be full. Do not walk in Kenyon Stadium wearing the same stuff you wore in 2019. Go to Johnny T-shirt, get you some fresh gear, bring it in there, and be ready for Carolina football. And, of course, they've got baseball gear. Uh, baseball's down in Lubbock, Texas. Greg Barnes, that does not look like Lubbock, Texas. I say you didn't get a plane ticket. So, Greg Barnes stays with us. Yep. I will be, I will be covering from my couch. The value of the Zoom coverage, um, yep. it, it has its benefits. But Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyT-Shirt.com, great sponsors of this podcast, great friends of Inside Carolina, and, of course, of you. National guys going to pay the bills. We'll be right back. More defensive over-under with the Inside Carolina Expert Roundtable. we got a lot more to go, folks. 
get your monsters, get your, uh, you know, Red Bulls. If you're so inclined, stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, boys, we're back. It's the Inside Carolina Podcast, the over-under defensive version, Johnny T-shirt and johnnytshirt.com. Let's go red zone conversions because this is a number uh, that I always think is pretty good. It, it reminds me of the old bend-don't-break defense. And, Buck? Just for what it's worth, Tommy. I'm going to go with the over on the on the passer rating. Did I not ask you that? You skipped me. But go ahead. Um, Let's go ahead. It may have been in, it might have been intentional. I don't think so. Over, the over. There, there, there were only eleven teams in the Power Five last year that were better than than one twenty five. Why do I feel like the principal just called me to his office? Buck Sanders, red zone conversions. We've set it at fifty five percent. I've seen uh, Carolina be really good at this. I've seen Carolina be really bad at this. Um, but this year, your bullish defense, where are they going with 55? Mm. Um, see, last year, they were last in the conference. Uh, wait a minute. In not last, uh, they were at 63.04 TD percentage. And what are we talking about here? Red zone TD percentage. Yeah, but uh, below 55. Over or under set at 55. Yeah, I'm going to take the over on that. Uh, that That's a pretty steep drop when you consider that the, the best in the conference were right around 52%. Pittsburgh, which is a pretty good defense, they were at 56. So I'm going to take the over on that. Greg, what did you say Carolina was last year? Or Buck, what did you say? 63.04. We can kick it down eight. Okay. Well, yeah, we can do a lot of things, but are we going to do it is the question. Greg Barnes, are they? If you're laying money on 55%, where are you putting it? Mm, I I think that's a really good number for this defense. Um, I mean, if you look back, go back a year to Jay's first defense, which was a good bit better than last year's defense, they were at 56.8. And so I – I think I'm going to go a little bit below. Uh, I, I do think it's going to be right at that number, but, but I'll go uh, below just because he's got better bodies in there and got more experience, and that should pay some dividends. Jason, since I skipped you last time, I'll get you before VIP. Let me ask a question here, though. What's the national – what was the best in the nation last year? Northwest, what yeah. was the worst in the nation last year? And give me your over-under on 55. So the best in the nation last year in uh, 
in red zone conversion touchdown percentage. Pretty sure it was North with Northwestern. Yeah, Northwestern at 29.63. Is that now, good? You, you do have to grade them a little bit on a curve because they played in the Big Ten West. And you can start going down. It, it was interesting, actually, when I was looking at the uh, passer rating numbers, too. Of the Power Five teams that gave up 125 or lower, I think seven of the 11, if I remember right, were, uh, were in the Big Ten. So, you know, you start to go, well, okay, maybe there's a reason for this. It was like Alabama, Utah, and then, you know, half the Big Ten. So, uh, you know, you're not getting a bunch of those numbers. You know, there's really low numbers against, uh, you know, really good teams. I mean, you look at the, the teams that had the lowest, Northwestern, Florida Atlantic, Rice, Tulsa, New Mexico, Cincy, Georgia Southern. There's a reason that all those teams are there. It's because, partly because of the competition they're playing, right? They're not playing uh, – you know, some of the teams that are going to be on Carolina's schedule that can give you some tro- some problems in the red zone. Uh, so I'm going to go just a little bit on the, uh, th- I mean, that's a really, really good number. I'm so tempted to go below, but I'm going to go a little bit above that. I think 56, 57% would be a really good number for, for, for this defense. Uh, and, you know, be pretty satisfying in terms of improvement year over year and still wouldn't get there. It's just really hard to get below 55. And I think they're going to be just, they're just going to narrowly miss that. I mean, Clemson last year was 56 and change. So, you know, I think this defense will be more comparable to, you know, in terms of numbers and output on that more comparable to what you saw from Clemson's young, but talented front uh, last year than, than what you're going to see uh, from some of the, the true elites in that category. In two years, I'll take that under. Mm-hmm. What was so impressive about Northwestern last year is, yeah, they only allowed 29.6% in touchdown percentage in the red zone. They only allowed teams into the red zone 27 times. Good gracious. Three per game. Oh, my gosh. I mean, they allowed eight touchdowns in nine games in the red zone last year. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Vip. 55 percent then we'll move on to uh the fun ones uh a quick stat i saw in four games washington state uh they gave up 16 touchdowns in 18 <laughs> red zone attempts <laughs> for 88.89 percent um but i would say do you th- think their head coach cared one bit <laughs> i remember a lot of those games it was like usc utah um they just couldn't keep anybody out of the end zone. Um, but I'll say this number is going to go over 55%. Uh, I think this is an area where Carolina has to get drastically better. Um, I don't know if you're going from 63% to 55%, like a lot of people have mentioned, but I do see them getting better. And as, as this defense kind of grows, um, it, it's a number that just has to get better for them to kind of get to where they're hoping they get to. Big number, yards per play allowed. Buck, I've set it at five and a half. Uh, I think this is the one that matters, The one of the most important numbers for a defense, yards per play. Um, five and a half, can this defense uh, work that? And I do not have last year's stats in front of me. Okay. Uh, then five, let me look. 5.8 last year. Uh, 5.8 last year. Have they improved by three-tenths? Yeah, you know, I told you from the jump, I was uh, 
bullish about this defense. So I say, yeah. Um, and besides that number is not like super unattainable. Um, uh, like Greg was talking about in, uh, Vic, uh, Cunning's first year under Fedora, they were at what, uh, 5.21. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I think they can, uh, uh, go the, the under on that. Those right, much defensive recruits, man. That guy right. could recruit defense. That's for sure. Absolutely makes a difference. Uh, Greg under five and a half. I think so. Um, I think they'll, they'll, as I said, I think we're all in agreement. This defense is going to take a step forward. Um, and I think I agree with you, Tommy. I, for me, this is probably the, the key stat to really track. Um, you know, we can talk about points per possession. That's, that's important as well. Um, but this is kind of a good efficiency gauge. I know we've in a land of advanced metrics where we can fine tune a little bit there, but, but I think this defense is going to be better than that. And I do believe that next year uh, they will certainly be below five, but for now I'm going to say below five and a half for this fall. So 2022, you've got them below five, 2021 below five and a half VIP. Muted VIP. I get to say that once. I thought I pressed it. Must have misclicked. <laughs> um, I'm in agreement there with Greg that this defense is trending in the right direction. Now, I don't know if they're going to get to five and a half. I think they'll be close. But um, for the record, I'll say they go uh, just under. Um, like everybody's kind of been saying, I, th I think this defense is only going to continue to get better. You bring back every starter from the Orange Bowl. You have uh, a ton of quality depth where they haven't had that the first two years under Bateman. So I'm going to say under. Jason, is this the most important stat for a defense? And what's uh, your think, call? I think, I think tackles for loss is probably the most important stat for a defense because then that, that leads to all of this. So, you know, if you want to, if you want a defense that's dominant, Tackles for loss might be the problem, though. Actually, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to go back on that. This is the most important stat. This is it, because you could be really good at tackles for loss and then just be absolutely horrible in the secondary <laughs> and, and wind up giving up, you know, 80 yard plays here and there that, that obviate that with this number. It means you're really you're really consistent. You're not giving up big plays and you're getting some tackles for loss. So, yeah, this is the, this is the most important. Uh oh. We lost Jason there. Cheer. There he is. You glitched out on us. Oh, sorry. Um, am I with you again? Where did, yeah. where did I glitch? Mid-sentence about so, the most important stat. Yeah, so I do think it's the most important stat. Uh, you know, thinking, of, thinking through, because it does mean that you are – you're putting the uh, – you're not giving up a ton of a ton of big plays, and it also means that you're you're getting some tackles for loss and all of that as well to 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 really grade out well here. So yeah, I mean I think that's probably it. But um, I look at it, and this is a hard one for me. The number is really good. Five point five is really good uh, because I've I've gone back and forth on this. I mean last year you had three teams that went better than five point five in the ACC, and that was Pitt at 4.88, Clemson, 5.02, and NC State at 5.48. And I look at that, and I go, you know, 
that, that also is a COVID year. And I think defenses last year were a little bit worse overall uh, because of how things went. I mean, I thought defenses nationally were worse last year in terms of execution, tackling and all of that. So those numbers probably go down a little bit. So you look at that and you go, yeah, they should be able to get there. But then at the same time, the problem is, look, look at what we were just talking about, about the quarterbacks that they're going to play against. It's a pretty good schedule of quarterbacks that you're, that, that, that's, that you're having to face and some offenses that, that can actually offer you some things. And I look at that and I go, that Notre Dame team last year was pretty good and they gave up 5.56 per play. So I, I think this defense is probably going to be in the same zip code as that Notre Dame defense last year. And that puts me at just over, not, not, I want to go under, and I think they absolutely could. I I could end up eating my words big time on this, but I've got them just over it because I think that's a a pretty big uh, jump to make against the schedule that they're going to have in terms of quarterbacks on that schedule and in terms of some of the teams that they're going to play. Just a quick trivia. Anybody know what, uh, what Florida State gave up in terms of yards per play last year? 8.7. (laughs) 6.47 yards per play. 6.47 yards per play from, from that, uh, that seminal defense down there. That's, um, that's something which tells you, you know, how, how, how bad things were. Cause that's, that's only 0.8 yards per play, uh, fewer than North Carolina had offensively last year. The great 2014 North Carolina defense gave up 6.53. So that's even worse than what the 14 oh, defense did. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean that, so that again, this is the most important stat on the defensive side. And, you know, it's really hard to move up. Once you get above about 5.6 or so, once you get in the five, six range and above every, you know, 10th of a yard better you get takes a lot, but man, can it get apocalyptically bad <laughs> and they won't be that. So it can't get third and 30 uh, draw play for 60 yard touchdown run uh, bad for this Carolina team. Wasn't that in 2014 down in Greenville? Anyway, yeah, that was Greg Barnes. Uh, you threw out one here and I'll throw it in. Let's go. Let's go around the room. We're going to go uh, points per game. So uh, giving up, we're going to go 25. We're going to set that at 25, but we're going to go points per possession and set that at two, even two flat. Greg, I'll let you start with it. So 25 points per game for the defense given up and then two per possession. And where would those be on a national scale? Those over under numbers last year. Those over and under numbers. All right, so say we said 25. So 25 would be basically top 40. Um, North Carolina was at 64th, giving up 29.4 last year. Whoo. Uh, I'm going to go over. I think they'll be pretty close to 25, but but I am going to go over. Um, the, the other one – I think there's a lot to discuss with that. Uh, I think North Carolina w- was really bad in points per possession last year, uh, 81st nationally. Um, there's a lot to dive in there. But I think uh, I think North Carolina is going to be above 2.0, uh, but they're going to be right there at it. So I think both of those numbers are really good marks. Uh, and I think that's something North Carolina will strive to beat. 
I just don't quite see him getting there quite yet. So let's get everybody's take on 25 and two. Vip, I'll come to you and then we'll get back. And because I want to hear you dive into it a little bit, Greg, on the points per possession, because that's one of those things where I know we say yards per game doesn't matter. It's yards per carry that's the most important. But I think total points per game is more important than points per possession. I don't know. Phil, what do you say on 25 and 2? I'm going to say no, no, no. <laughs> Slightly over for both of those. I think, uh, I think it was Jason earlier who made a good point where it was like teams are, uh, for the majority of the season, going to be trying to play catch up. So I think that's going to skew a lot of these numbers for where even if Carolina's defense looks a lot better than last year, which I think a lot of people expect, the numbers might not be as good because teams are just trying to keep pace with a guy like Sam Howell. So I'm going to say slightly over for both these numbers. Interesting. Buck Sanders. I'm, I'm, I'm um, staying away from Jason since he gave me the head wag when I said my obviously ridiculous <laughs> comment. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go under on 25, but over on points per possession. Um, I, you know, uh, last year they were, uh, Greg was saying they were 63rd or whatever. Um, but in the, uh, the SP plus this year, they're right at 43rd. I think they were, they finished 53 in SP plus on defense last year. And the preseason prediction on their defense uh, on S&P Plus is 43, 10 spots higher. So uh, I think under 25 is a reasonable number. Uh, points per possession, you know, who cares? <laughs> My guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what I said. I said points per possession don't matter. If you have 100 possessions, if they have an eight-possession game, and they score – anyway, Jason, go ahead. Tell us why we're wrong. Okay, look, if you're going <laughs> to win a game, what matters most – Is to have the most points on the scoreboard at the end of the game. I did not mute you, Jason. You muted yourself automatically. <laughs> <laughs> what, matters most, what matters most is having the most points on the scoreboard, which is a relative thing. So if you – if you give up 25 points per game in five, in, a, in, in, you know, a 10, you know, five possessions a game per, per team, right? If army gives up 25 points per game, they're, they're doing really poor, right? That's poor. And they're going to lose a lot of those games. If you're a team that, that has a ton of possessions, right? If you're Washington state and you're scoring 65 points a game and your defense gives up 60 a game, you know what? You might take that because what matters is how many points are you giving up relative to how many you're scoring? Well, Do how we many you're scoring and how many that, you're giving uh, up? Mike Leach is the coach there. He's a miss. Everybody's muting themselves. Mike Leach moved to. Yeah, he, he, state, did. he did. Right, but it's still but, West but, Coast they were, defense. They were, they were, they were, yeah. They, they were they were mentioned earlier as giving up all those all those red zone issues. But, you know, the, the point is, regardless of who it is, if you're scoring for if you're scoring 42 points a game. And, and you're doing it partly because let's say you're, you know, Baylor from, you know, some years ago where or, you know, Arkansas right now where they're running that, you know, absolutely blistering fast pace. Your defense is going to give up more points per game. It is because you're going to see 
say, 16 possessions from the opposing team as opposed to, say, anywhere from 8 to 12 possessions. Well, those extra four possessions, you're going to give up some points. It's just like in basketball. If you if you if you're playing like Virginia only gives up what fifty some points a game in basketball, yep. But I mean, how much does that tell you about how good their defense is versus the fact that they play at a snail's pace? I mean, the reason that they give up so few points isn't because their defense is great. It is really good defense. They play great defense, but the biggest reason that they give up so few points is because they play fewer possessions than anybody else because they hold onto the ball so long in the offense. Roy Williams defenses might give up, you know, 72 points a game and actually be better than that Virginia defense because Roy Williams offenses are going to be playing, you know, pace where they're playing for, you know, a hundred possessions a game, as opposed to 60. What matters is always efficiency offense and defense. What matters is what you do with it when you have it, because in, on, in, in football, when you get the ball, and you score, the other team's going to get the ball back. And so what matters is when you get the ball, you need to score. And then when they get the ball back, they need to not score. <laughs> and then you win games. So it's, it really does boil down to the per possession deal. And I know it's, it, it, the, it, it's inconvenient that that's the case because it's a harder number to sort of conceptualize. It's easy to look at per game stats. But, you know, it's an apples to oranges thing when you're comparing per game stats and defense with, you know, Army. Jay Bateman's defenses were not better at Army than his defense is going to be now. But they might have given up fewer points because they're not seeing that many possessions. And that's the thing. So for me, I'm going to go with the over on both of these, by the way. And the reason for that, you know how many teams in the ACC went below 25 last year in terms of giving up points per game? Like Clemson? Three. You had Notre Dame, Clemson, and Pitt. And Pitt was at 24.5, so it was real close. Everybody else was above 26.6. So, I mean, 25 is a really aggressive number on that. And, you know, is it possible? Yeah, maybe. But, against again, against the group of quarterbacks that you're facing and the conference that you're playing in, that's a really tough number to hit. And so I, I don't see that happening. I also don't see them going under two, two points uh, per drive. I mean, last year they were uh, 2.53 points per drive given up. Now, that is, that is not good. And like, like Greg said, that was 81st in the country. But going below two, you're getting down, you're getting down into the top you know, 35 in the country pretty well. I think they're going to be right at around that two range, maybe 2.05, somewhere in there. But it's just such a good number. It's going to be hard. And I mean, I almost would go with a push on that number. It's a really good number, but it's a tough number to hit against the schedule that they're going to have. I just, I, I don't think they're going to hit the, the 25 because they're going to be, they're going to be scoring a lot of points. There's going to be a lot of possessions. And even if they do hit that two number, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. So I'm going to go with over on the 25 and really close. I'm, I'm, I'm torn on the two. Cause I think that's a really close number. I mean, I'm a push to slightly over on that. Tommy, a um, couple things here, and then I'll, I'll give you a good segue to, to our next one. 
Uh, but to kind of flesh out what Jason said just then, this is the conversation we had on the message boards back when Jay Bateman was hired because everybody saw that in 2018, Army allowed 17.7 points per game, top 10 in the country, which is great. And everybody said, wow, he's going to bring that kind of defense to North Carolina. But then when you start kind of diving into what his defense actually did, uh, they really benefited from that, that triple option offense because Army uh, ranked – they were tied for 59th nationally in yards allowed per play at, at 5.6. Um, so because they had so few possessions to defend, that scoring total came down quite a bit. Um, I do think the points per possession is relevant for a couple of reasons. Um, let me start here. When, when you look at why North Carolina had the year they did last year, we know the offense was great. Um, I, I think some people, because the defense made strides, they, they think the defense was better than it actually was. I don't think this defense was really all that good last year. And one key stat kind of illustrates that. Uh, Brian Fremo uh, does something that's called um, it was OSD, which stands for just offensive uh, – I don't even know what it stands for. It's OSD. What it is is starting field position points allowed if for the offense is starting at the 40-yard line or better. So short yardage. You're trying to go 60 yards. Defense is when the opposing offense has 60 yards to go or less. North Carolina led it's the country. starting field position is what that is. Okay. So, yes, OSD for whatever that is. North Carolina led the country offensively and points per possession when they started at the 40 or better. They scored 5.9 points per possession when they had the ball at the 40 or better. That's incredible. That's fantastic. Uh, defensively, however, they allowed 4.6 points per possession when the opposing offense started at the 40 or better. That was 113th nationally. So first offensively, 113th defensively that's a wide gap there um, and that's one of the issues and the reason I, I harp on points per possession is because Jay Bateman does and one thing that he's pointed out back in his time at Army and before he got to North Carolina is the importance as Jason has, has highlighted today uh, in tackles for loss and sacks negative plays what he found was uh, if there's not a negative play on a possession 52% of those drives result in points. If there's a tackle for loss, that number drops significantly, is cut in half to 26% of those drives result in points. And if you have a sack, guess what? Only 16% of those drives result in points. So the goal is trying to get enough negative plays, at least one per possession, and that changes everything. And yet we know last year North Carolina was not good defensively in points per possession. And that's why tackles for loss and negative plays and sacks is so important for this defense making a significant step forward. Um, and that, that's why it's so important to me that that stat's something to watch this year. That's a heck of a number. Jason, you got anything to add before I go into sacks per game and team leaders? in sex yeah so all all i'll say is that that's why <laughs> what greg just said is why i was 
going back and forth between tackles for loss and yards per play is the most important defensive stats. Because if you talk to any defensive coordinator in the modern era who knows, you know, the, the metrics at all and has really studied this, they're going to tell you those are the two numbers that they're going to be looking at. Those and, and turnovers, basically turnovers, uh, you know, batted balls, you know, basically hands on balls uh, in terms of, um, of in the passing game. Uh, so batted balls, passes, defensed, forced fumbles, uh, and then tackles for loss and, and yards per play. Those are the ones that every defensive coordinator is going to track the most at this point. And it's because that's where you're, you're getting turnovers and where you're stopping, where you're stopping drives and not giving up big plays. So, yeah, this is all really hard uh, in terms of where Carolina is going to be on this in terms of the, the, you know, they're, they're getting now, I think this will be the year where they, they make a good leap. And from here forward, every leap they make, the numbers are going to look tighter because you're starting to get into territory where, you know, going from two points per, per drive uh, given up to 1.5 is really hard. Like that's a big difference as opposed to, you know, 2.5 to two is, is, is less of a difference, even though it's, it feels the same and, and it's the, the same amount of, of difference. It's just harder to, to be that consistent. So, you know, they're, they're going to be pushing up against that this year. It's going to be really interesting to see if they go, be, if they go below two, that really bodes well for Carolina on the year. Let's go sacks. I'm going to go based on how I see you guys on my screen. So I'm going to go to you, Vip. I, we, we had it at 3.25. Jason, you say that's way too high. I'll put it at three. And I'm going to put it at three simply because of what we just talked about. Bateman's defense sells out for splash plays on defense. So, Vip, I'm going to go three. Sacks per game, three. And give me the team leader, um, who you think will lead the team in sacks, and how many you think they'll have. And we'll sort of narrow this down a little bit since we're getting a little long-winded. Yeah, I'm going to say under three. I think it would still be, you know, if Carolina's in that like 2.75 range, that would still be pretty good. But, you know, if if you're looking at three, um, only 16 schools were at that number last year. And a lot, a lot of those – teams were playing abbreviated schedule so the numbers were pretty skewed last year but I think for who this who the sack leader would be I'm going to go with Tamon Fox I think he's he's kind of proven what he is on this defense and you get him back and it's it's crazy to think that he's still on this team when you start looking back and he was on that uh the 2016 team that went down to uh Georgia and he's still out here he's I think he led the team sacks pretty easily last year um so I I can't see anybody kind of um taking that top spot from him unless unless defenses are really keying in on him and trying to take him out but I think Carolina should have enough talent across the board where you can't just focus all your attention on a guy like Tamon Fox all right Rapid. If I put it at 275, you're going over, under, and how many sacks you got for Tamon Fox? And let's throw Des Evans in there. How many you got for him? So three numbers or, or three uh, over, under, and two numbers. I'll say eight for Tamon Fox. So he was at seven last year, a, a little better. Uh, Des Evans, um, I think Des Evans could be really good on this defense, but I just want to see a little more like consistency before I'm saying he's going to be getting 
anywhere close to somebody like Tamon Fox, who is kind of proven year after year, like Des Evans, I get where all the hype comes from, but I think Carolina fans also have to remember that late in the year against Wake Forest, I I'm pretty sure it was the Wake Forest game. He just didn't play at all. Um, Jay Bateman said it wasn't hurt. Wasn't an injury problem. He, he just wants to see more consistent effort from somebody like Des Evans. So I think the, the future is bright for somebody like him. But before I start saying that, I think he could lead the team in sacks with, with all the things he brings to the field. I, I'd want to see him, you know, just, just look a little more consistent. Buck over under three, I'll leave it at three for you. And then team leader in sacks and what's his number? Buck, you're yeah. muted. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm taking the over on three a game. That's what they got last year. They got three per game last year. And the entire offseason, Mac Brown has been going, oh, we, we need to increase. We, we got to get sacks, 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 sacks. We need more sacks, sacks, sacks. I mean, that's all he's talked about. Uh, so you're saying we're going to get the same? number of sacks we had last year. Yeah. I'm not buying it. I think we're going to get over three, uh, per game. Uh, Tamon Fox. I agree on that. I, I'm going to put the, I'm going to make it closer to 10 sacks on the year. Um, and the, the second guy, I think maybe, uh, Eugene Asante because Bateman loves that. Delayed blitz, Rat was number two last year in sacks. So uh, I'm going with uh, more than three sacks a game. Taman with 10. Asante, I don't know his number, but I'd say he'd be number two in that category. Jason. Yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, I, I agree that. Uh, you know, the smart money is on Tamon Fox. I think he's probably going to be right around seven and a half, eight sacks this year. He was at seven last year. Uh, I think actually one of the reasons I don't anticipate him having a whole lot more this year, even though he, I think he's still going to be, you know, getting, continuing to get a little better is that some of those young guys are going to be on the field more. And so there's going to be a little bit more dis distribution in terms of where, where the sacks go. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with the over as well. I think Buck's right that, uh, the three number last year was what they were at. It's a hard number to hit, but I do think they're going to put so much emphasis on that this year that they'll be right at, you know, around three again uh, this year. And I think they'll probably go just a little over again also because teams are going to be throwing it a lot on them. And so you combine all that. I think they're going to be in that range. Uh, I think Asante also is another, is another name to watch there. Chris Collins, I think, also deserves special mention here because I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities and uh, and really looks good on the edge. So I think they've got four or five guys that are going to be going to be in the you know three and a half or more sack range. Uh, so there's going to be some good distribution there. I think Asante is going to have more than than uh, than expected though because he's going to be in that Surratt role and Surratt was uh, was the second leading sacker on this team last year. Uh, and I think you're going to see Asante. Uh, take some, uh, take some similar, uh, numbers from that inside backer spot this year. Greg, real quick, your numbers there three over under three. Um, is it Fox? Is it Des Evans? Is it Asante? Is it somebody we haven't talked about? That's going to be, uh, either the leader or number two on that list. Yeah, I think it's over. 
Um, and I think it's got to be Fox. And I, I think the key reasons, not only his experience, but they worked some of those guys, especially Fox, uh, at, at the nine technique. So instead of him being lined up inside as a defensive lineman uh, in that 3-4 scheme, he's actually going to be utilized as an outside linebacker more often than not. And that's not something he did last year. Uh, and that he's one of the people that's going to benefit most from having the size inside. And so I think his numbers are going to explode. Uh, I'm at 10. It would not surprise me to see him get 12. That's first team all ACC, isn't it? I mean, it's certainly all ACC, Probably. yeah. Interesting. Let's go tackles for loss. Let's speed it up a little bit. Tackles for loss, seven per game. Uh, this is that, you know, that key number. Greg, I'll, I'll start right back with you. I mean, I think I'm going to go over there just simply because, A, they're going to have the ability uh, to do it, and Bateman is going to to really, really um, ramp up the pressure with the corners he's got back there. Yeah, I think over. Buck, over under seven on tackles for losses. Uh, that's a good number, but I'm going over. Jason bullish. Bullish. Bullish buck. Jason. Over, uh, I, I like the same reason Greg did. There, that that uh, secondary is going to force quarterbacks to hold on to it, and they'll they'll have some opportunities there as well. So, yeah, I, I like the over there. Vip, I'm going to say over. I think one thing from the spring that I really liked from seeing was just the overall team speed. You have a guy like Rara; he was blowing up plays. Asante, um, so I'll, over for all the same reasons everybody else said. Does Asante lead this category, everybody, or is it is it going to be Fox on this one too? Uh, I mean, I think Asante. I'm going to go with him on the leader for this. Asante or Fox, Greg? How about Gimmel? Valid, Jason. I mean, that's one guy we I'm haven't talked about. Fox. I'm going to go with Fox as the as the TFL leader. He led the team in in TFLs last year. And, you know, Gemmel had six, Fox had 10.5, Surratt had 7.5. It's a lot harder to get TFLs from the backer position than it is from the defensive line. That You normally get your leader from the defensive line rather than from a backer. If you're getting backers that are getting up there, those, are, those guys are blowing things up. Now, I do think actually Asante's more instinctive a little bit than, than what they've had there. Uh, you know, Surratt was great it was still learning the position. And I think Asante's a little more instinctive in that respect. So it might, you might see him a little higher, but I'm going to go with, with Fox as the, as the um, most likely leader. And don't be surprised to see a guy like Cayman Rucker or, um, you know, one of the other younger guys jump up there as well. You know, Vohasek was at 7.0. I think one of these younger guys on the, on the interior and uh, is going to end up being, toward the top as well. I think that's where you're going to really see the difference. Vip, quick. Asante or or whoever on tackles for loss? I'm going to go Fox. Same reason for the sacks. He, he was the leader last year. I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't continue being that role for the team. But Fox as well. Yeah. One guy, one of the younger guys to look at, but he's an interior guy that I think is going to do pretty well in sacks is Pender. Uh, they like him a lot in a pass rushing role, although he's an interior guy. 
So last, uh, well, we got a couple more, but this is, I think is a big one. Interceptions per game, and I want the team leader. So let's go around. Uh, just give me a number instead of over-under. For the record, I set it at 1.1, or we set it at 1.1. There's been some discussion on who's the best cornerback on this team, uh, which I think can create some discussion on the offseason. But, Vip, uh, we'll go one interception per game, and who's your team leader on this? Um. After after talking with Dre, I feel like I'm a little skewed just with how uh, excited he kind of got everybody about the that position group. Um, so I'm going to say over an uh, interception per game, and then I'm going to go with uh, Tony Grimes. I think teams are going to realize that Storm Duck, when when he's fully healthy, is Carolina's number one. So you're gonna you're gonna try the the kid who was supposed to be a freshman i mean a uh, senior in high school last year so i think grimes is going to get targeted it, and then uh i think i think he did display a lot of good ball skills the uh that miami interception and the texas a&m game i thought he re- looked really good that's the thing about dre and robert williams if robert williams could catch back then he'd have had more interceptions than dre had because he couldn't catch but he broke up more passes jason Uh, 1.1, over, under, and then team leader. Uh, Are we going to all agree that it's either Duck or Grimes? Anyway, go, Jason. Vip just said literally everything I was going to say. So I'm just going to say, yep, everything to what he just said, over, and I'm going to go with Grimes for exactly the reasons that he did. Uh, Because I think, you know, a healthy Duck is your best guy. Grimes is a guy that has shown a really good ball skills, and he's going to get some opportunities. So that that would be my my answer. So what he said, Buck, Buck Sanders, bullish Buck. Were we still bullish? Yeah, we still are. And uh, the only thing I would add uh, to what Jason and uh, Vip have said is, if it's true that North Carolina is playing from ahead a lot um, next year, that's going to give them probably more opportunities to catch things in the air on the defensive side of the ball. Greg, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't they – what year was it they had, like, no interceptions or maybe one? Yeah, far? they had one. Dominic Green had one against the FCS opponent. Uh, was that three years ago maybe? Yeah. How far have they come? Let's yeah. go 1.1 over under and then team leader. And give me a number. Let's pin down a number on how many uh, your team leader will have. Oh, gracious. Well, I think – I'm in complete agreement with with everything uh, Vip said, and I like what Buck added there. I, I do think it'll be Grimes, and I'll say five. Five on the season. Last one, uh, forced fumbles. The only reason we include this one or I include this one in the numbers is because it was kind of low last year. But, uh, excuse me, Greg, give me a number. I've got it at ten. Is that a is that a attainable goal for this team that has struggled creating fumbles? Yeah, yeah. So many of these kind of go hand in hand. And if we're talking about, you know, more bodies on the defensive line, more bodies up front, uh, the likelihood of more sacks because you have people in better positions, whether it be Kamon Rucker, Tamon Fox, who actually can play on the edge more. Um, you know, you're talking about being able to play from ahead you're going to get a lot more of these opportunities for game-changing plays. And I think just because of that, you're going to get more opportunities for your know, forced fumbles. And, and so I, I do think this is going to be a, above. Um, and I, I think I think the defense will be 
I really think the defense from a kind of a base standpoint will be a little bit better, but I think the ability to get pressure on the, the opposing teams will be significantly better. And so for this defense to kind of get to where they want to be, they've got to be able to make these splash plays. And I think they're, they're going to have some success with that. But real quick, over under 10 fumbles, force fumbles. You know, these things are, uh, you know, they're Greg's points are well taken and so is everybody else's, but, one thing to also keep in mind about uh, turnovers is there is a high degree of randomness involved in turnovers. Every data set you'll ever look at is uh, if they, one team has a high number of uh, uh, forced turnovers one year, the next year they'll tend to regress to the mean and vice versa. So uh, there are also, obviously, if you have more opportunities to get uh, turnovers, then you're probably going to get more turnovers, which could happen if, if North Carolina's in the league quite a bit. But uh, one thing just to keep in mind about uh, turnovers in general is that they're so random in a lot of cases. It's just the, the football is shaped funny. It bounces funny. You just don't know what's going to happen a lot of times. Vip, over under 10? I'm going to say over. I like the point that Greg made with um, the the more depth. I'm just thinking from, like, the days I was playing, when you're when you're fresh, you're thinking more like, I could punch this out versus, like, when you're, when you're dog-tired out there, you're just thinking, let me just try to hold on and find any way I could bring this guy down. So I'm going to say over just, just because of that depth. Jason, I take it you agree with Vip. I agree with them. Uh, I also, uh, so I, I've got the over here partly because you, you go over 10 and you're uh, based on the last full season that puts you in the top half of the country. Uh, and I think the, this will be a defense. that will be more than that'll be above the top half of the country when it comes to ca- causing havoc. One other thing Buck's right about the, how, t- how random t- forcing turnovers is, but a lot of that randomness has to do with fumble recoveries because the ball bounces weird once it's on the ground, but fumbles forced is actually less random than that, because that has to do with how many times you can get guys stood up with an extra guy getting there who can punch it out. It has to do with, uh, it has, it correlates with, you know, hits on the quarterback in the pocket, things like this that aren't exactly random. So that's why the forced fumbles metric the forced fumbles metric is, is more important than the fumbles recovered metric or the, you know, turnovers forced metric because fumbles forced is something that you can, you can actually coach more. You can actually uh, be more consistent at as you get teams that, that really get helmets to the football and really get pressure on the quarterback that, that, that stuff starts to add into fumbles forced. It doesn't necessarily translate into fumbles recovered because you could force five fumbles and recover none of them but you're giving yourself opportunities and that's where you at least give yourself a chance with the, with, for the randomness to come out on your side. So I think they're going to be on that, you know, in the top half of the country uh, for, for that. And so, yeah, I've, I'm comfortably in the, uh, in the over number here. All right. This is a Jason Staples uh, special defensive line snaps real quick. How many guys – okay, they talk about depth. They talk about rotating guys through. A couple years ago, we saw Aaron Crawford and Strobridge play. uh, All of them. 
damn near 90% of the snaps. Uh, so, so how many defensive linemen play more than 20 snaps a game this season for North Carolina? Greg, I'll let you go. We're including the edge guys. We're including, we're including, you know, the, the true edge guys, the guys yep. that, that, you know, line up on the line. So that includes Fox and all Rocker those guys. Mm-hmm. You know what? Uh, I think Jay Bateman learned something last year when he put the young guys in. He had to kind of convince himself the importance of depth, which is easy to do because you're relying on your veterans. Uh, and I think because of that, I'm going with 10. I, I think there's going to be a legitimate two deep. They're going to get a lot of snaps. I think there's not a lot of separation talent-wise, and so you're going to see uh, platooning take place. So I, I think it's going to be significant. Yeah, this, this is what Just I always record, talk there about. There were five this year. Five there played more five than 20 a game. And this is where Carolina separates themselves from being good to very good to elite here, this position right here. Buck, how many over 10? I mean, excuse me, how many defensive linemen – take over 20 snaps per game yeah uh i'm i'm with greg on this I, i'd say it'd be around 10 now here's a, the one question though if if bateman does that if he really rotates uh defensive lineman in those numbers it'll be the first time he's done it <laughs> i mean uh he, he is usually kind of stuck to a a uh, fairly rigid uh, snap count um, between his starters and his reserves, even on the defensive line. Now, towards the end of the year, yes, that, that got better. But, uh, you know, uh, sometimes you, you have to wait till you see something before you believe it. Uh, so, but I, I do think 10 is probably a good number. I think he probably will uh, branch out and – uh, rotate players a lot more uh, this year because actually he's just got more bodies to rotate. Yep. DL snaps over 20. And to Buck's point, Bateman hadn't done it till now. And I think Gimmel will play 99% of the snaps this season um, from the linebacker position. But on the defensive line, does Bateman finally do what he says he wants to be able to do? Yeah, I'd say over. I was going to mention that point too, where there there's on the defensive line and the edge guys, it's a lot closer um, player to player. Where at the linebacker position, like you just mentioned, it right now it, it seems like it's going to be Asante Gemmel, and that's that's really it. But uh, kind of like kind of like Buck was saying, like it's it's one thing to say you want to play a bunch of guys once once the games start going. Um, we'll, we'll see if Carolina actually does have the depth that they've been kind of hyping up. Jason, you agree that defensive line depth separates. Uh, so is it 20 snaps a game doesn't seem like that many, uh, but does Bateman actually throw out 10, 12, 13 guys that can play that many? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it doesn't seem like that many, but it is because that's two full drives at least. I mean, it's really three drives in terms of average length. So, I mean, how many guys are going to play three full drives? That's really what that question is. And you think about that, that's a different question, right? I mean, or it sounds different. And, um, and you think about 
also not just how many guys are going to play three full drives, but you think about when Strobridge and, uh, and uh, Crawford were playing all those snaps, they were averaging about 74, I think, if I remember right, somewhere around there, 72 to 74 snaps a game. So, you know, what you're looking at once you get to 20 is, you know, basically a third, a little, a little less than a third of what they were playing, which was almost, you know, the full game. Right. So um, are you going to get guys are going to play basically a third of the game prior to get garbage time is really what you're asking. And I think you're going to look at I think 10's a little a little steep. I think that's that's a little high, partly because I think they're going to be in a lot of nickel. But, uh, you know, I think they're going to be in a um, I think they're probably going to be nine guys over 20. So not quite double what they had last year. And I, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable saying that they'll be at at least eight because uh, I think they're going to rotate a true two deep on the, on the interior three plus one probably. And then the edge guys, you're going to have three guys from the edge. So that, that comes out to, you know, somewhere around eight, nine guys comfortably that are, uh, that are there and maybe even to, and, and, you know, it, the other thing you got to remember, it's not just Bateman who's making this decision in terms of who can play. I mean, I can tell you this, that there've been times where Bateman had a younger guy on the field and he all of a sudden hears in his headset from the, from the head guy saying, what's he doing out there? You know, we're only up by a touchdown here. We got to win the game. And in order to have got, in order to play depth on defense, your head coach has to believe that that guy can play and that he's ready. Otherwise you're not going to play. And so that's, that's a big deal. Um, and I think they're, I think they're there. I think they're going to have that many guys that are going to play because I think Mac really believes that they have, they have enough depth to be able to play those guys. Tommy, there's a, uh, there's a podcast idea for later in the summer. What, what percentage of snaps will North Carolina play nickel versus a uh, base three, four over under a uh, percentage. Well, well, <laughs> I, I, I saw this today. Um, Last year, there was uh, something like 75,000 defensive snaps in college football last year. In 92% of those snaps, there was at least five defensive backs on the field. Wow. So, I mean, we're used to, we're, we kind of became indoctrinated by thinking that nickel was some kind of sub package. It's not anymore. Base you know, personnel. That's base personnel. Um, everybody in college football is running um, at least five defensive backs, you know, 92% of the time. Yep. So. Butch made a really big deal about, hey, there's this nickel back we have. North Searcy. <laughs> a special package. Yeah. Check this yeah. out. Sub package. Yeah. Just yeah, don't and, put a dime in against the jumbo on the goal line. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the thing is, they've got a really, really good player to line up in that hybrid role when they go five defensive backs. I mean, Conley, putting when you've got a Conley that 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 is that basically is your your de facto nickel when you go nickel as often as not. You you want that guy on the field. You want him in that role. You're gonna you're more likely to go that even than you would be otherwise because you feel like that guy can play so yeah think, is you know, your nickel or who you'd put out there as nickel is he a better player than your third defensive lineman and against 
basically everybody running three receivers or more. Yeah, probably <laughs> with, with Conley, especially cause that's a dude, man. So last question. And we've gone, we've run long. These have been fun. The offensive over or under, if you haven't watched it or listened to it, you need to go check it out. A lot of good stuff on Sam Howell and, and the running backs and all that that we talked about last week, but let's do it. All right, Buck, I'm going to come to you first since you're extremely uh, bullish on the defense. I think that's the, the pusher of the wins and losses. So I've debated here. I've started to say over under 9.5 or nine and a half wins, but I kind of want to go to 10 to be the over under the bowl game. It's wins when the season is done. Let's go. Uh-oh. Let's go. Ten. That's not just regular season. Nope. Season's over. Over under ten, and I don't want a bunch of pushes, so I wanted to do a half. But I'm gonna go ten because I think that's realistic. So twelve regular season games and at least one postseason game. Over under ten. Where are you? Uh, push. Yeah, it's a push. Damn. Oh, uh, ten point one. <laughs> you know i'm just thinking about uh and what's successful what is a successful season i think 10 is successful 10 is 10 you, you absolutely if you ask mac you can win 10 10 10 i'll guarantee you 10 wins if that's all you're getting he's really closely considering that one mm. vip you agree with them is 10 uh the the ideal not ideal but is would Mac take ten right now and call it off? Uh, I, th- I think he would take it just because it keeps the trajectory of the program going. Um, That's why. But if you if you're looking for me to take a stance and not stay on the number, I would say Carolina um, just goes over. Um, it's it's hard to see too many losses like whenever i'm thinking of games a toss-up i'd go which team has the better quarterback, quarterback. carolina is going to win that a, a lot more than they're not um and then if you're if you're adding a bowl game to it too it just gives you another chance to win where carolina might be able to uh sneak one out if depending on who who the matchup would be greg barnes uh i think and this is ridiculous we've had this discussion I think nine would be a, a letdown. We've been here before. We've talked about this stuff before. Carolina's won 10 games how many times in the past lifetime? Once Four. since, <laughs> once since uh, Mac was here last time, yeah. Yeah, so uh, over under 10. And I'm going to circle back to the question that Vip just brought up here um, briefly. But, yeah, give me a number, Greg. So this is going to sound like cheating, but I'm going to go over – and I'm going to go over because I think this team goes 11-3. and three. I think this team wins the Coastal and uh, gets to 11 that way. But um, you So, know, is that 11-1 and one winning the Coastal? And then nah, – No, probably 10-2. and two. Interesting. 10-2, and two, you win the Coastal, lose to Clemson, and then probably win a bowl game. So, Vip, to your point, and this is just a fun question, how many games can could Carolina possibly play this year where they didn't have the best quarterback? Nation? Um, looking at it quickly, yeah, yeah I'm not seeing too not many. Seeing unless, unless, like, DJ kind of blows up onto the scene at Clemson. 
Um, but even then, Kenzie that, Milton returns to form. I mean, you Milton know. is not better than Howell. Yeah. So I, I don't see a, a game on the schedule where Carolina doesn't have the quarterback advantage. Yeah. I had the on I, the I, schedule I, I, or I, period. No, there, there are a couple guys. There are a couple guys nation nationally that you might give the edge maybe, but it's real close. There's, there's nobody that's a clear cut better than, than Howell as yeah. a college quarterback. And, uh, and I actually, I, I went back and I got the, uh, the coaches film from the last time Milton was, a uh, was, was healthy, Greg. And I, I went through those games from the coaches film, looking at how, you know, he, he had filthy numbers that year, but he was not better that year than, than Sam Howell. And but, I'm talking about, there was a pretty big gap. Hmm. Buck, I'll let you wrap the show. Uh, how many times in your lifetime or my lifetime have we been able to say anything remotely similar to the stuff we've discussed in the last couple of weeks on this podcast? Well, you know, here's the thing that I think is uh, the most intriguing, not just for this year, but moving forward. Um, you know, we always have this debate about whether it's offense or defense when it's championships and, Alabama has, you know, moved to that high powered offense. And well, the, the, the fact of the matter is you need both. You know, if, if you have a top 10 offense and a top 20 defense, you're going to have a pretty good team and vice versa. If you've got a top 10 defense and a top 20 offense, you're going to have a chance. And this is the first time that. I felt like they have an opportunity to get there on both sides of the ball. They, they have an opportunity to have that top 10 offense, top 20 defense situation. And I, I've been a long time since I've even remotely felt like that. Um, if ever, but, uh, they're getting it done on both sides of the ball these days. And if they keep on that track, you know, who knows what, what they can accomplish. Yeah. I did not realize in 96, 97, 98, the offense was as bad as it was because the defense was so, so good. Now we are playmakers and and now we're, we are in different era, but different times, North Carolina football. We're talking about over under 10 wins, folks. Are you kidding? But that's where we're at. And if I'm pressed on that right now, looking at the schedule, I mean, I'm going to go push, but, I'd push with maybe just a little bit moving, maybe needle up because, you know, I think, I think they're probably nine and two or 10 and two, 10 and two or nine and three and 10 or 10 and two in the regular season and probably get a couple opportunities after that. And I think they'll win their bowl game. So. Crazy times for Carolina football. This has been the inside Carolina podcast over under defensive uh, edition the next time this group gets together, we'll actually pick the games in August. So we'll see how terrible we can predict the season <laughs> game by game. Um, I promise you that I will not miss more than one game when we pick them in August. So, Buck, you better bring it and you better record it. Taylor Vipless, Jason Staples, Greg Barnes, and the legendary Buck Sanders. Johnny T-Shirts, our sponsor, the Inside Carolina podcast. We'll be back soon, folks. Stay tuned for plenty of content on this channel and on the uh, podcast app as we have plenty of 40 Club podcasts coming down the line. Uh, Kicking it with the 40 Club should be a fun deal. 
Joey Powell and myself. Vip with his usual show. As always, it's fun. We'll talk soon. Thanks, boys. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.